the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Good to be with you. I am Pastor Scott. You can call and join the conversation right now by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. The KKLA Impact 23 Pastors Conference is coming up September 21st at Azusa Pacific University. And one of our uh, keynote speakers is Dr. Robert Jeffress. You hear Dr. Uh, Jeffress right here on KKLA every day at uh, 10 o'clock. You also hear him in San Diego at 11 o'clock. And on his show, Pathway to Victory, he's the senior pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. And he joins me now right here. Uh, Dr. Jeffress, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Well, thanks for having me, Pastor Scott. It's great to be with you. It's great to be with you. You know, uh, I was at the First Baptist Church of San Diego, you know, which uh, would fit inside the First Baptist Church. The entire building, I think, would fit inside the First Baptist Church of Dallas. But you've got a much better location. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how's the weather out there? Out there? Yeah, <laughs> Hotter than you know what. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're saying here, too. But uh, we, we complain if it gets anywhere outside of the 70s one way or the other, uh, you know, out here. Well, we're, we're looking forward to having you with us this uh, uh, September. You'll also be in San Diego in uh, October, so you'll be out here a couple of times. Yes. Yeah. Well, how long have you been at First Baptist Dallas? Well, I actually grew up, uh, Scott, in my church. Uh, I uh, was saved and baptized and married here. And when I was 15, I felt the call to the ministry. And my predecessor was the legendary W.A. Criswell. W.A. Criswell. For 50 years. And yeah. uh, when I turned 21, he hired me to be the youth minister. I uh, did that here for seven years. I remember it because it corresponds to the tribulation, seven years. And then finally, I went out west to pastor my first church and then another church and then i came back home to pastor here about 16 years ago all right so 16 years well i'm, I'm glad to have you on our show and so at about 15 did you say uh it's just when you decided you wanted to go into ministry well i would say it was god called me yeah uh, you know people say wasn't an audible voice and i say it was louder than that but it was a very distinct call uh I thought up until the time I was 15, since I was a little boy, I thought I knew what I was going to do. I really wanted to be an executive producer on television. And hmm. even as a young teenager, I read every broadcast journal, every business journal I could read. And I thought I was heading in that direction. And God had a different idea. I read that you were on a uh, game show one time. Uh, <laughs> was it Card Sharks or something like that? I actually was a giant banana on Let's Make a Deal with the original Monty Hall. But then uh, after that, 
we were in this little West Texas pastorate and I needed a car and didn't have the money for one. So I decided the best way uh, to get the money for the car was to win it on a game show. So I studied all the game shows that offered cash, came up with card sharks, uh, went out to L.A. to audition for it and became the four day champion on card sharks. And, you know, what's funny is that gets played about every six months on the game show network. And I know it's playing because our switchboard lights up for people around it does. Now, here's a here's a funny uh, question, because uh, you're uh, and I'm a Baptist pastor, too, and you're a Baptist pastor. Do you get extra uh, calls because it's a game called Card Sharks? Well, let me tell you, in that little West Texas town, I was scared to death about when they found out what I had done. And uh, we, of course, pre-taped it months before it aired. And I was uh uh, very uh, concerned about how the deacons were going to respond, but they had a good laugh with it. I so. bet they did. I think that's an interesting story. It's such a, uh, I think that we fear sometimes in the ministry, those kinds of things more than what the reality is. Yeah. Does that make sense? My wife and that's I danced right. at our first dance at uh, another Baptist church where I was at. And I guess while we were on our honeymoon, everybody freaked out that there was a dance. Uh, but I don't think people actually cared at all. They they don't care as much as we think they do. And, you know, I've read somewhere that 80% of the things we fear never end up happening. So, you know, worry is interest paid on trouble before it's due. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So uh, you got uh, being an executive producer out of your, uh, you know, out of your mind there for a while and got into to ministry. Uh, you started as a youth minister at 21, you said. That's right. So, and I wasn't much lar- older than the kids I was trying to pastor. And, you know, Dr. Criswell was very patient. I made a lot of mistakes. and uh, But he said, I'll never forget what he said to me when he hired me. He said, lots of people will have ideas about what you should do. And just remember, you only answer to me. And all I'm going to do is pray for you. Oh. And uh, I really appreciated that. That's very good but advice. Think, by the way, Scott, it gives a good portrait, though, into how churches ought to operate. Uh, a church has to be pastor-led. Uh, if yeah. the staff ever feels like they're working both for the pastor or the congregation, no man can serve two masters. There's got to be a clear line of authority in any church for it to work. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. That's been a hard thing, you know, for a lot of different kinds of churches. There's obviously different structures and things that contribute to that. But, you know, uh, that matters a lot. Leadership is something that is Old and New Testament prescribed by God. That's right. And the pastor is the uh, leader of the church. Dr. Crystal used to say a committee-led church is a dead church. Might get some calls about that, uh, you know, eventually. But yeah, the From church, the committees. <laughs> from, from the committees, right? The church I was in, which is a wonderful church, and they just got a brand new pastor to replace me uh, this last weekend. I got to go down there and pray for him, and that was wonderful. Um, one of the things I used to joke about, though, is they had light switches all over the church that didn't make any sense. Middle of the hall, outside of the bathroom, but not inside the bathroom. And and I said, no individual would put the light switches here. Only a church committee would put the light switches <laughs> in these places. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that the old joke of giraffe is a horse put together by a committee? Yeah, something uh, like yeah. that. Well, you know, I think people feel that, but you know, people put in a lot of hard work in the church. You know, over over time, uh, you know, how would you say things have changed? So you've been in ministry quite a while. Um, you were a youth director. Youth ministry is completely different now. 
you know, than yeah. it was in our time and ministry in general. What what do you say the differences are just in the last twenty or thirty years? Well, I think we look at the polls. We know first of all, people are attending church a lot less frequently than mm. they used to. And I think what you've seen, especially that was turbocharged by the pandemic. Yeah. I think people got into the bad habit of not assembling together. And even when they came back, they came back less frequently. So I think that's a major challenge that and change that has gone on. I think um, people's amount of time they're willing to give to a church is uh, definitely decreased. But one of the things I'm going to be talking about at the pastor's conference on September 21st is how pastors pastor in a polarized nation. Hmm. Uh, I don't think we've ever seen our country as divided as it is now since the Civil War, really. And a lot of that division, Scott, unfortunately, has crept into the church. And I think there's a lot of confusion right now about what the mission statement of the church is. You know, we look at the division in the country. We look at the rapid uh, abandonment of basic Christian beliefs. We look at the immoral LGBTQ agenda being fostered on the American people. We think, what are we to be doing as a church? How are we supposed to be answering what's happening in the culture? Do we organize 24-hour prayer vigils? Do we enlist people to vote? Do we hand out gospel tracts? And so I'm going to talk about revisit what the mission of the church is in light of what's happening in the culture. I think that is um, something that we're still seeing, right, is that people still haven't come back after the, the COVID the would you say that the division that we're facing in our country is part of the reason that people aren't coming back or is it something that's more systemic within the church of why people are less likely to attend uh, regularly now i think it's both i think the division is a good excuse that people mm-hmm. might get for not coming but i think uh part of it is just a failure to understand the role and the importance of the local church I just wrote a new book called What Every Christian Should Know, 10 Core Beliefs for Standing Strong in a Shifting World. And I revisited the 10 most basic doctrines of historic Christianity. And one is what every Christian should know about the church. You know, we sometimes actually apologize for the local church and thinks it's somehow, you know, kind of a pitiful excuse for a charitable organization that has outlived outlived its usefulness. The Bible says God's the one who created the church. Jesus loved the church. And uh, we are to love what the Bible loves and what Jesus loved. And we shouldn't apologize for the church. We ought to realize it is the only Christian institution that God created. Every other organization is man-created. That doesn't mean it's bad, but it means it's man's idea. But God came up with the idea of the local church. The local church is God's plan for accomplishing his mission in the world. And we need to understand that and understand how much we need the church. Yes, the church needs us, but we need the church. I tell people we're like those porcupines that were huddling together in northern Canada to keep warm. They needed each other, even though they needled each other. And uh, yeah, other Christians can be irritating at times, but the fact is we need the encouragement, the admonition that comes from being with other believers. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Dr. Robert Jeffress. He is uh, the senior pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, and you hear him here on KKLA and KPRZ on Pathway to Victory every day. You know, 
uh, Dr. Jeffress, that is so key. How do we, you know, when you're talking with church people about encouraging them to be in the church today, what is something key? You know, today we can watch it online. I think that's another piece, right, is that I can stay home and have waffles and uh, be in my jammies and and watch church. Um, when you're sharing that vision for what the church is and you're reminding people what it is, what do you think is the, the key to really reaching somebody to say, get back into church? Well, I think, first of all, it's to say God created it, not yeah. to take up our time, but to meet our need. I think, secondly, we need to affirm that, yes, online ministries, those are great. We had 2.3 million people watching us online last Sunday, but that's no substitute for being in a local church. That's a great supplement, but it's no substitute. There's a difference between the two. And then I think we need to realize that Satan, if you believe 1 Peter 5, 8, is roaming about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour and Satan's tactic, and you've seen this, Scott, as a pastor, it hasn't changed because it works very effectively. Mm-hmm. Satan loves to isolate people from the church, from other Christians, then attack them, and then destroy them. That's why Solomon said uh, two are better than one, and a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And uh, we need the strength that comes from other believers. You know, the Bible likens the most common used imagery of the church is the body. It's the body of Christ. I mean, what happens if you sever your hand from the rest of the body? Eventually, that hand withers up and dies because it's not receiving the nutrients, the oxygen, the blood it needs from the rest of the body. It's what happens to a Christian when he's separated from the church. He loses that nutrition that he needs, that spiritual nourishment. So that's what I say to a person who is being lax in his attendance. And and I remind them, God created the church for our benefit. You know, when I have a a call-in show and I have people call in, often when they're struggling, I'll ask them, you know, uh, where do you go to church? And they often say, well, I've stopped going. And, you know, that's one of the things is you have to be part of the body, just like you said, that it matters to show up, even if it uh, even if there's somebody prickly there. (laughs) Yeah, well, our friend David Jeremiah says very well, he said, there's only one person who thinks you ought to suspend going to church when you're going through a difficult season. And that's the devil. And, uh, you know, but you've heard it as a pastor. Well, pastor, we're sitting out, we're taking a sabbatical from church because we're going through a difficult time or we're trying to get some things together. That's the time you need to be in the church, not away from the church. Yeah. When uh, you think of uh, pastors and you work with pastors uh, and get to meet with pastors all over the country, what is some of the biggest challenges that people ought to know their pastor is facing that maybe the pastor doesn't talk about. I didn't talk about a lot of stuff. I realized, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to look, be seen as a complainer or that I was griping, but there's a lot. What should people know? Well, I think first of all, pastors need encouragement. So I would encourage members to encourage your pastor because the better he does, the better you do. It's to your benefit to have an encouraged, not a discouraged pastor. But I also would ask congregations to do their best not to make their pastors put on a referee's uniform every Sunday and try to referee between different factions in the church. Again, I've never seen the church more polarized. And look, I'm very conservative politically. I think everybody knows that. Everybody knows where I stand on things. But, you know, some of the greatest criticism I'm getting 
and other pastors are getting is not from liberals or moderates. It's from extreme conservatives who are much further to the right end of the spectrum than even I am and pulling me to try to be more uh, conservative, to take positions on every issue that comes up and every political issue. And that creates division and schisms in the church. And again, the pastor is called not to referee between warring factions in the church, but to teach the word of God. I think that pressure is on pastors more than it's ever been. And they can be pulled to the right or the left, wherever they stand, uh, you know, depending on where they are, that for some reason you have to plant your flag in every issue and say, this is where Jesus would stand. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and, and there are some issues that are called political that are biblical, the right. right to life and religious freedom. Those are non-negotiables. How those are carried out and what's the best way to implement those policies, that's a matter of opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, we just need to um, steer away from that. You know, and maybe I shouldn't tell this story. I don't know if I ought to tell it or not. But Everything uh, is good on this show. You know. People have asked me, you know, everybody knows my support for President Trump. And they've said, you know, how did your church react to that when you took a public stand uh, with the former president? And uh, it was after a weekend I had spent with him campaigning in Iowa. I came back and I told my church, you need to know I'm doing this privately, but I make a pledge to you. You will never hear politics preached from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church at Dallas I will lay my politics at the front door of the church when I come in here, if you will do the same. And if we'll make that commitment together, let's talk about the only leader that matters, Jesus Christ. And they gave me a standing ovation, and I never heard a word about it, really, after that time. I do think, so, yeah, yeah I think, go ahead. I think most people feel that way, right? I think most people feel like they can, that we should be able to find things that are the moral issues that we ought to agree with and speak out about in our country. And, but there's also things that don't matter that much that we can leave alone. Yeah. Well, we've got enough to preach about preaching the Bible. Yes, we do. Get mixed up in the other things. That's right. My guest is Dr. Robert Jeffress, uh, who you hear every day on this uh, station in pathway to victory. He's the senior pastor of the first Baptist church of Dallas. You know, pastor, uh, what would you say is the the line for what are some issues that are in the public square that Christians need to speak out about versus things that they can leave, you know, to the politicians to argue about? Yeah, well, I think, you know, questions about taxation, for example, you know, that's not something that's addressed in the Bible. If you're skilled enough at manipulating the Bible, you can make a case for lower taxes or higher taxes. Right. I mean, You really can. Depends which stories and analogies you use. That's just not a major theme of the Bible. And uh, I think immigration policy, I think there's a principle, certainly, uh, that we ought to care about those who are suffering need. But there's also a principle that every nation needs to have borders and boundaries. And how you find the balance between those two uh, truths is something that I don't think a pastor is skilled enough to come up with. I think we need to leave that to the politicians to come up with a compromise. Yeah. You know, I think that when we're talking about uh, unifying the church, what would you say is the best unifying message for people in the church as we are so divided, or even divided from other churches, right? So denominationally, of course, but even within our denominations, we divide over things. 
how do we get out of that and focus in the to and work together as one church of Jesus Christ? Well, I think it comes back to the gospel. I mean, the gospel is simple, it's succinct, but it's universal. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. There is a Jesus. He did die for our sins, and he's coming back again. And that's what we need to say over and over again. Yeah, and that that's unifying. The gospel is unifying. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you're going to be our speaker at the Impact College, one of our uh, keynote speakers coming up on September 21st. And listeners can check it out at kkla.com and click on the banner there. Send it to your pastor. Um, how would you encourage pastors to uh, to take the time? It's a Thursday morning. And sometimes I think we say, ah, Thursday morning. I mean, there's a free breakfast, I think, and lunch. So that's encouraged. That would get me there, no matter who's speaking. <laughs> but What's the better benefit? Why should people tell their pastor, hey, go to this conference? Here's why. I have been to many of these, if not over 100 of these I've spoken at, and many of them through the years, last 10 years. And what I've seen is pastors come discouraged, isolated. They feel like they're all by themselves. And when they look in a room and see there are hundreds of people who are in the same boat they're in, going through the same unique uh challenges. That is encouraging. And I would just say to you pastors who are considering coming, come not just for the message. Maybe you'll learn something, maybe you won't, but come from the fellowship and perhaps the relationships you'll develop that will begin that morning with people around your table. Uh, It'll be well worth the effort. That is a great word. I agree with that completely. I Sometimes I would drag myself to these things and then be so encouraged just because I was there. And so uh, the KKLA uh, impact Pastors Conference is coming up, Azusa Pacific University. It's September 21st, begins at 8 a.m. Check out uh, kkla.com to find out more. Dr. Robert Jeffress will be one of the keynote speakers. We're looking forward to seeing you there, and uh, I'll meet you there in person as well. And uh, I look forward to that. Thank you for, uh, for coming to that. Thanks for having me, Scott. Great to be with you. And thanks for being on the Pastor Scott Show. Really appreciate it. You bet. All right. Dr. Robert Jeffress is on our show. You can hear him every day on KKLA at 10 in the morning on Pathway to Victory. And uh, his new book is What Every Christian Should Know, 10 Core Beliefs. And uh, I'm going to check that out. I think that sounds fantastic. Speaking of unity, those beliefs probably uh, really help us focus in the right areas. Well, they do. And it's a great course, by the way, for a Bible study, small group Bible study, Sunday school topic, going over the 10 core beliefs of historic Christianity. There's a leader's guide that goes along with the book. All right. And you can get that at Pathway to Victory, uh, your website. Or Amazon.com. Or Amazon.com or wherever books are sold, right? as they <laughs> used to say. All right, Dr. Jeffress, thanks for being with us. And I'm going to check out the Game Show Network, see if I catch you on there. I'll be on soon, I'm sure. All right, all right. God bless you. Thanks for being on the Pastor Scott Show. Thanks, Scott. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. I would hope that if, in fact, we get to the point where the volume of cases is such and organizations like the CDC recommend, CDC doesn't mandate anything, I mean, recommends that people wear masks, I would hope that they abide by the recommendation and take into account the risk to themselves 
and to their families. And again, we're not talking about There's... forcing anybody to do anything. That was Dr. Anthony Fauci on CNN with CNN host Michael Smirkanish on Saturday. And this interview is getting a lot of play because of a few things that came out of it. It's created a lot of controversy. It's making news because it was on CNN. See, the study that they're actually going to talk about here in a minute, maybe you've heard uh, just about every show today and TV is playing this. It's all over social media, what you're going to hear in a minute, is uh, you know, I think be- this actually this study came out months ago. It was responded to by the New York Times and other newspapers. And I'll get to that in a second, because what I want to focus on here is the idea of of science. And I'm going to play what people are playing, but I'm going to go a little deeper in it because I was curious about how when we hear about scientific studies, and if you were dealing with the the COVID and the different ideas about uh, care for it and masking and mandates and all that, there's major controversy. And a lot of it seems like it's coming back. They really should wear the mask. What happens if we have a mask mandate or even a virus, a, uh, <clears throat> a mandate for uh, booster shots or for a vaccine again? The mandates are highly controversial. And that's why Dr. Fauci is being very careful, I think, to say, and the CDC, when they say it's not a mandate, you don't have to do it. <clears throat> but you do have to do it if your employer is going to fire you if you don't, right? The the mandates are not coming from the CDC. They're coming from your employer who might be getting them from the CDC or the state or the government in some other place. So it's a, it's a pretty big deal. When And when I started reading this and trying to figure out some things, I thought, you know, a lot of what I'm reading in these studies and in these reports coming back to to uh, coming around on this on different sides, it's reading like competing theological journals that I've read on a theological topic. And I think that's part of some of the the difficulty is that there's a place where science becomes scientism. And rather than really questioning to try to find the the truth and being skeptical, which you should, I think, on everything as a scientist. And those of you who are scientists, you can call and uh, and uh, talk to me about this if it kind of fits what you work on. The number is 888-528-2557. I want to play this interview, and uh, then I want to go through a couple of things I noticed in uh, some of the responses. So CNN is interviewing Dr. Uh, Fauci this weekend, and the subject of mask mandates is coming up. Jill Biden, the first lady, has COVID. President Biden doesn't have COVID uh, as of yet, but we are entering our fourth our fourth fall, can you believe it, four times now talking about COVID. That's incredible. And uh, the White House was uh, talking about it this weekend. President Biden tested negative last night for COVID-19 and tested negative again today. He's not experiencing any symptoms. As far as the steps he is taking, since the president was with the first lady yesterday, he will be masking while indoors and around people in alignment with CDC guidance. And as as has been the practice in the past, the president will remove his mask when sufficiently distanced from others indoors and while outside as well. See, that's not September 2021 or 22. That's September 2023. That's today. And uh, the White House continues, this is Karine Jean-Pierre. So, look, we've, we listen to uh, the experts, the scientists. That's what we do here. Uh, and, uh, and we're co- going to be continuously working with them, uh, certainly in coordination. Okay, so they're listening to the scientists. But the problem is, is what happens when you have competing scientists, when you have different points of view? How do you know? So here's how the CNN, CNN interview went. This is Dr. Fauci with Michael uh, Smirkanish. Totally understood. There is a perception out there by many, how many, I don't know, that they don't work. 
and that the data concludes that they didn't work in the first go-round. Respond to that on masks. Yeah, well, that's not so. I mean, when you're talking about at the population level, that the data are less strong than knowing that if you look on a situation as an individual protecting themselves or protecting them from spreading it, there's no doubt that masks work. Different studies give different percentages of advantage of wearing it, but there's no doubt that the weight of the studies, and there have been many studies, indicate the benefit of wearing masks. Now, that's something that we hear a lot, but I want you to notice very carefully the words. Dr. Fauci starts talking about individuals here. Now, here's where it got controversial because the CNN host, Michael Smirkanish, then quoted a study from uh, the Cochrane Review. I'm going to refer to one of them. You've heard about it before. I heard about it from a number of radio callers. Uh, Brett Stevens in The Times talked about Cochrane. Put that on the screen. The most rigorous and comprehensive analysis of scientific studies conducted on the efficacy of masks for reducing the spread of respiratory illness, including COVID-19, was published last month. Its conclusions, said Tom Jefferson, the Oxford epidemiologist who is the lead author, were unambiguous. There is just no evidence that they, masks, make any difference he told the journalist Mayan Damasi, full stop. But wait, hold on. What about the N95 masks as opposed to the lower quality? Surgical or cloth masks makes no difference. None of it, he said. Well, what about the studies that initially persuaded policymakers to impose mask mandates? They were convinced by non-randomized studies, flawed observational studies. How do we get beyond that finding of that particular review. Now, that's a pretty significant thing. So here's the thing, is that the Cochrane Review from the Cochrane Library, I had to look this up because I was curious. I'm always curious about when people start quoting studies, and we learned this a lot through, I think, the COVID. There's a million studies out there. You can probably find somebody who's done some kind of study to support your point of view. And, you know, and then what it does is we take that and we go, it's called confirmation bias, right? Where you think, well, I must be right because I found a study. But that might be the only one out of thousands, or maybe there's a thousand studies and there's a hundred that support your view, but 900 that don't, right? It's, you got to be very careful. And then some of those studies have been withdrawn and you didn't realize that because they're on the internet or they were never published or they were never peer reviewed, or they're different kinds of studies and different kinds of science. So I try to look into it and I'm not a scientist, so I don't try to pretend that I am, but I was very curious about the, the Cochrane review and it is considered the gold standard in what are the reviews. And what they're saying is, what they do is they take everything together. They're very rigorous, they're very independent. If you go look up why people trust the Cochrane reviews, it's because they're transparent, there's peer reviews, there's regular updates, global collaboration, so they work. You know, sometimes I was always hearing about, well, somebody did a study in Bangladesh that said this. Well, you know, okay, one study somewhere, but you don't know anything else about it. You don't know if it's any good. And it seems like, what's the value for that? Part of why the Cochrane Review is helpful is because they take everything together and they work very hard and it helps inform consensus. And what they said on this study, now there is a nuance that I've discovered, but they said, they're basically saying that the masks don't make any difference, including the N95s. Now the nuance when you get into it is partly because the studies show that most people don't even wear them correctly, or the N95s. Um, and so even if you have the best masking situation, if you're not wearing it correctly, then it doesn't help you. It's just pointless. And basically, 
you have to be aware of that nuance, but that's a big, big part of it. But Dr. Fauci gave this interesting answer here. So the Cochrane Review says the masking didn't do anything to help anybody during the pandemic. And then this was Dr. Fauci's response. Yeah, but there are other studies, Michael, that show at an individual level for individual. When you're talking about the effect on the epidemic or the pandemic as a whole, the data are less strong. But when you talk about as an individual basis of someone protecting themselves or protecting themselves from spreading it to others, there's no doubt that there are many studies that show that there is an advantage. When you took at the broad population level, like the Cochrane study, the data are less firm with regard to the effect on the overall pandemic. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about an individual's effect on their own safety. So what people are confused about is, first of all, he doesn't mention in this interview any studies. And maybe he wasn't prepared for that question, you know. But uh, if you don't mention the studies, you don't know. You can find some studies on there that talk about particularly the N95 mask being effective if you wear it correctly. But uh, there's other studies that say that it doesn't. But he starts talking about the individual response versus sort of the everybody response. And that's what people are having trouble with. And I have trouble trying to understand this. And I, I, I think if we want to do better at understanding each other, when somebody says something that doesn't sound like it makes sense, you, you have to try to figure out as best you can, well, where are you coming from, right? What, because to me, if you're saying, if these studies say that the, the, the group of studies that Cochrane put out says the mask didn't do anything to help the pandemic. But then your response is, well, you're right. They, they didn't seem to do anything, but on the individual level, they seem to help. Well, what does that mean? How can, if, if it didn't do anything for the pandemic as a whole, how does it work on the individual level then? That doesn't seem to make sense. Because it seems to me if it works in the individual level, then it would help the pandemic. But if it doesn't work at the individual level, then it would make sense that the pandemic, so it's a very, complicated thing. And and a big part of the, the underlying thing here is that this is about wearing the mask correctly and the right kind of mask. In fact, I found an article that was responding to the Cochrane study. So this is the one that I think is probably where Dr. Fauci is coming from. Obviously, I haven't talked to Dr. Fauci, but looking into it to try to figure out what in the world does he mean? Because it doesn't make any sense what it seems like he said. And I think it matters because the, the mandate thing is there, right? Are we getting ready to go back to a place where you're not going to be able to go shop somewhere if you're not wearing a mask? Or maybe you can't go to school if you're not wearing a mask? Or what about the, the vaccines that are coming out, the boosters? Are you going to be forced to take those at your workplace? Are medical workers or firefighters or people going to get fired again? Is that where we're headed? I don't know that we have the political will for that, but there sure is a buildup for that. Um, where, you know, where is he coming from? I'm going to, I found something interesting. It comes from Scientific American and they don't agree with the Cochrane Review, but what they're saying is that it's because this is the same thing as asking the question, do parachutes work and doing a study about it? A randomized study where some people would be jumping out of planes with no parachute and other people jumping off with a parachute. And they're saying it doesn't make sense to do that. And therefore it doesn't make sense to question whether masks work. I'll share that in a second. If you got a scientific opinion about this or some thoughts, you can give me a call. The number is 888-528-2557. What I'm trying to do is help people understand all this language. You know, lay people, people like me, people like you, people who just want to know what is true and how do we respond in a society that doesn't seem like it did well with this the last time around. And certainly most people think it didn't. 
And uh, I think that's a big part of this conversation. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557. We'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues. You can watch us right now on kkla.com. Just click the link for the Pastor Scott Show and uh, say hello. See you in a few minutes. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. I'm going to refer to one of them. You've heard about it before. I heard about it from a number of radio callers. Uh, Brett Stevens in The Times talked about Cochrane. Put that on the screen. The most rigorous and comprehensive analysis of scientific studies conducted on the efficacy of masks for reducing the spread of respiratory illness, including COVID-19, was published last month. Its conclusions, said Tom Jefferson, the Oxford epidemiologist who is the lead author, were unambiguous. There is just no evidence that they, masks, make any difference He told the journalist Mayan Damasi, full stop. But wait, hold on. What about the N95 masks as opposed to the lower quality surgical or cloth masks? Makes no difference. None of it, he said. Well, what about the studies that initially persuaded policymakers to impose mask mandates? They were convinced by non-randomized studies, flawed observational studies. How do we get beyond that finding of that particular review. That was a CNN reporter this weekend talking to Dr. Fauci about uh, the Cochrane review of all of the masks, not all, but many of the uh, mask studies. And they last a few months ago said that the masking doesn't work. And uh, many people responded at the time. I think this is making news today and you're seeing it kind of everywhere because it was on CNN and it's not on Fox and not on the right wing network and, and where you hear that kind of stuff a lot. And I'm curious about the science, because when you read what the Cochrane people say, there's some nuance, particularly, and there's always one nuance in everything I've read that says you got to wear the, you have to wear the mask correctly or it doesn't work. That makes sense, right? And the same thing about seatbelts in your car, right? They work, but if you don't buckle it, if you don't wear it correctly, if you don't actually click the thing in, or if you do something screwy with the shoulder strap, right, then they're not going to work properly. It's same thing with masks. And uh, Scientific American and the New York Times put out articles a few months ago about that article and saying essentially that it's wrong. Uh, the New York Times said this, though. They said Cochrane reviews are often referred to as the gold standard evidence in medicine because they aggregate results from many randomized trials to reach an overall conclusion. And combining their results can lead to more confident conclusions. So the Cochrane studies and reviews are trusted by the medical community. Dr. Fauci responded and he said, well, there's flaws in it and they weren't considering the the individual use. So I, I was curious about this and Scientific American said that it's just not appropriate. This is what they actually said. They said it's not appropriate to do randomized trials at all to evaluate uh, masks, which I thought was really interesting. And then they said this, we don't rely on such trials for seat belts, bike helmets, or life jackets and uh, parachutes in order to tell us whether or not they work. But see, to me, I'm going, well, aren't we assuming they work? Aren't we assuming the parachute keeps you from death? Like we're not going to do a trial because we get it. We're not going to do a trial on the bike helmets. I'm sure they save lives. I'm sure that life jackets save lives. Seat belts are masks in the same boat. And what they're arguing is, yes, if we're, you got to wait carefully, if N95 or better is used properly, although some studies say no. How do you how do you navigate this? I'm curious if uh, you had any uh, insight scientifically into this. 888-528-2557. Craig in Sun Valley, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. 
Hi, Craig. You with First us? First one is. Go ahead. Yeah, my name's Craig. Thanks. Uh, I have two analogies for you, and I have one other comment on the uh, personal observation thing. But the first analogy is if you compare a virus to a bacteria as far as size, it's the same difference as the, looking at the smallest water droplet you see in the air to a stream of water being sprayed through your uh, window screen. So if you think you're going to be protected by your window screen, if somebody's got a squirt gun and is squirting through the window screen, that's the same belief that you would have if you're going to be protected by an N95 mask versus a virus. The size difference is so huge, it just cannot do the job. And Fauci is lying, and he knows he's lying when he's trying to make that comparison. He's just simply trying to bolster his previous lies between you was wrong when he was lying about it to start with. Why do you the think he's? Why do you think have, he's doing that? Because the first time, you know, Fauci said uh, originally that the masks don't work, and then he changed it, and then he said, "Well, I only said that before in order to make sure there was enough masks available for healthcare workers." Because he knew for the same analogy I just gave you, as far as a size description, he knows they can't work. And so the second thing was to say, well, if a virus can't work, well, then why do we wear masks when we're in surgery and things like that? Well, you wear it because you're trying to protect against bacteria, which are so much, much larger than a virus. Mm. And so the distribution of a bacteria, you could protect against that. And, gee, it makes sense to have water droplets not spraying farther distance than they would normally spray if you didn't have a mask. And that would be so why a surgeon, a, wears a, a surgeon wears a mask in order to stop those droplets from getting into whoever's doing surgery on. Well, yeah, and, he's trying to protect him, his braids. To the, to the patient. Yeah, but does the surgeon, it's if the surgeon has a virus, you're saying that that mask won't do anything for the virus if the surgeon is ill with a virus? Exactly. It's not going to help. What's your it background, Craig? Do you, have, do you have a background in this, Craig? Well, I've had, I've had science classes in college and stuff like that. So I, I, know, I know how to make the analogy yeah. between the size of a virus and a bacteria. I think it's and I don't know why anybody hasn't come up with this analogy before, because it's exactly the same ratio. You wouldn't stand in front of a chain-link fence and expect not to be sprayed by your neighbor's hose. Right. So it, it depends on the volume and the size of the opening you're trying to protect. So it's, it's a basic science. That's why he originally came out and said it's not going to work, because he knows, he knows the size of virus particles. He does research on that. And let me just mention one other thing about this whole issue. He knew about it from the very beginning, because DARPA is the one that was doing a study in 2019, in early 2019. They went out to all the different... Uh, manufacturers and said, if we had a pandemic based upon a virus, what would you do and what methods for your different companies would try to solve this? They, they then came back to the same people in July of 2019 and said, stop what you're doing, even though one company had a, a positive result. They said, we're not going to continue the results. Just take the methods that you have and proceed to what you would do as far as developing a uh, shot to combat the virus based upon your methodology. So they yeah. had that in July of 2019. I haven't, I haven't looked into that, Craig, but I appreciate your call. We're almost out of time Let here. Let me I just mention to... one other thing. I have a, a NOAA contractor that was working in China, in Wahoo, or um, Wuhan. in the area where they yeah. had the lab. You know, I can't, and I... he reported people getting sick when he actually came back in yeah. September of that we, 2019. We know, we know, and even the FBI, Energy Department, some have said it's more likely that these came out of a lab. I thank you for your call on that. I'm almost out of time, so I want to I want to show this here and, and make a point here. This was Dr. Fauci before the uh, the shutdowns happened in March of 2020. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think 
that it is. And often there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying uh, uh, inside uh, uh, there? Of course, of course. But when you think masks, you should think of healthcare providers needing them. And he went on to say that he was, he went on to say that he was lying there months later in order to make sure there were enough masks. But I don't think so. I think that's what these studies said, and partly it's because other people said it. This is Rachel Maddow in 2020 March, right before the shutdowns. It's likely to spread around the entire world. A lot of people are going to get it. Potentially most of the world's population are going to get it, which sounds terrible. But it, the, of most of the people who get coronavirus will not die from it. Okay. Um, it's got about a 2% fatality rate. Um, it didn't have a 2% re- uh, fatality rate at the end. It was much, much lower than that. And the way that we all need to deal with it Although it is a, a new threat, we've never seen this virus before, it's actually very old-fashioned ways of protecting ourselves. You do all the things that you do to protect yourself from getting a cold or from getting the flu. We don't have to do anything outrageous. We don't need to change our lives drastically at an individual level. You just need to be more vigilant about washing your hands, make sure you don't develop patterns where you don't touch your face. Uh, that's the way that we tend to give ourselves colds in the flu. So at an individual level, right, so there's no reason to panic, but it's a serious thing. See, she takes a lot of the same things that most people were saying at that time. So there's a divergence there. And that's something that uh, we're almost out of time here. And Angel, I won't get to your call and, and others. We can bring it up again on uh, Friday, an open line Friday. We have to be careful about when we talk about science, especially for those of us who aren't scientists, right, that there are nuances that you can get into that when you're a bureaucrat or a policymaker, you you leverage those nuances for your own agenda, whatever that is. Might be protecting yourself, might be a belief that you you honestly hold, but it's not necessarily what the science says. We have to be careful there, and especially when we're talking about shutting down people's lives and ending people's careers and uh, forcing people to take medicine that uh, they probably don't need, you know, unless you're particularly susceptible if you need it then. That's what I'm saying here. And and I think that just as a lesson when we go through this, always try to examine where people are coming from the best you can. Uh, that makes your disagreement or your agreement better in the end. We're out of time or I'd go on with that. But uh, thank you for listening. You can watch uh, us at KKLA.com. Get the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just look for The Pastor Scott Show and find us on social media at Pastor Scott Show. Everybody have a great Tuesday night. I will see you tomorrow from 3 to 5. God bless. Have a good night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.